tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. In advancements to our mobile applications, we do it here. Um, also, if we have orders, there are customer service representatives that basically are going to call the vendors, make sure that the products are available, call the customers, give them the right information, and take the right information also from them. What's perhaps more impressive about Ahwinepa is that it's expanded to five countries in just four years, including Nigeria, South Africa, Rwanda, and Kenya where they have started production too. In the criteria, you have to have very quality product. It has to be innovative. It has to be competitive on the platform. Um, and we look out for people that seek to project the image of Africans. So it's not just um, putting any product on, but we're looking out for very innovative products that are within the quality range. Henry explains what has contributed to his e-commerce platform's success from just a classified site to a multi-vendor shop. We've had some amazing successes where we're running close to over 600 different designers, um, very active accounts buying and selling. Um, we basically had to join in the Alibaba program, uh, which was organized by Alibaba and Hong Tat, um, essentially going through China, um, understanding how the e-commerce in Ali um, works, big data, augmented reality, um, digital payments. So essentially bringing that span where they've been able to um, make it and into into our local um, setting is, is one of the most amazing things which we've experienced. One of the challenges for Henry and his team is obtaining quality products from local vendors and they are tackling that by training some of the vendors. We're looking at scaling to a lot more African countries. We've been able to do the East and South. Um, we're looking at doing the North and still within the West African countries. We think that there are still more stories to tell. Um, we just don't want to sell product. We want to sell a story to the international brands. We want to compete um, alongside most of the international brands. We're looking at um, being able to raise the channels for most of the brands that will, will be selling in our platforms to um, have better standards um, to sit on the shelves of Walmart and other very big brands out there. And the story just began for Winnipeg.
of course, on the Joy Business Van is Client Courtesy Equibank Express Point Agency Banking, which provides a unique type of agency banking that allows you to access basic banking services at selected shops across the country and enjoy Equibank services after banking hours, including weekends and holidays. Locate an Equibank Express Point nearest to you at selected show shops, pharmacies, grocery shops, ECG vendor points, and mobile money merchant shops and enjoy the following services. Open an instant Equibank Express account. Deposit and withdraw cash from your Express account, current account, and savings accounts. Redeem e-tokens and receive international remittances from Rapid Transfer, Western Union, Raya, Vigo, and Unity Link from selected Express points. Equibank, the Pan-African Bank. I'm Charles Aite. Masterclass is up next. And we have the host here in the studio. So, I mean, what exactly should listeners be looking out for? Well, we continue our conversation on the effect of COVID on mm. businesses. And today we're, we're focusing our conversation on the human resource factor. So, it promises to be exciting. How has it affected staffing? Are people having to go home? Are exactly. employers having to do um, benefit cuts and all of that? Mm. How does that affect um, the human resource of our industries today? So, that's the conversation we're going to be having today. Interesting. So, do you stick and stay? Masterclass is up next.
very good afternoon to you, our cherished listeners. It's always very, very exciting to come your way every Wednesday with your favorite business development program on Radio Masterclass. Masterclass comes your way every Wednesday at 1.15 p.m. and runs all the way through to 2 p.m. here on your superstation, Joy 99.7. Masterclass is powered by Joy Business and brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, they say good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. We're always excited to come your way every Wednesday as we discuss the issues that affect our businesses, our entrepreneurs every day here on Masterclass. And so in the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the effect of the dreaded COVID-19 on our businesses as entrepreneurs. Last week, we spent some time here in the studio with John Armour sharing some thoughts on how to stay afloat as a business, how to stay afloat as a business in these terrible times. He did share some thoughts about being innovative, looking at different ways to approach your business in order to survive. I think we took some notes there on that show. Today, we want to continue that conversation, but we're going to be spending time in the studio with two wonderful gentlemen. I call them friends of the show because they have been here um, again. They have been here on the show in, in time past. They also spent some time with us when we had that wonderful conversation on sexual harassment at the workplace and how it, uh, it affects productivity. And uh, we're joined by them again today two wonderful brains, I call them, in the field of human resource. As we talk about the topic today, how to stay afloat as a business in these times of COVID, the human resource factor. I'm joined in the studio today by Mr. Samuel Kwame Buafo and Senor Ajabing, who are both private HR practitioners. And in different fields of endeavor, they have they have done a lot and shared different thoughts on human resource. Gentlemen, you're welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the human resource factor. I mean, throughout the world, we hear things about the effect that COVID is having on businesses, the effect that COVID-19, generally business is slow. We talked about burn rate last week. Burn rate being how long can a business go and, and, and take care of its overheads and all of its payments it has to make without revenue coming in. We found out that for most businesses in Ghana, depending on the size of the business, the burn rate is nothing more than one month. And so you found out that when we had to stay home under lockdown together with all the restrictions for this period of about six weeks or so, the burn rate has hit tank, has hit rock bottom for most businesses. And so you hear things like great businesses, even abroad and all of that, laying people off. People are having to go home. People are having to innovate. One of the greatest things that has happened is that change has been forced upon all of us in, a, in, in the way we work. And so you find that a lot more people are having to work from home. A lot more people are having to work online. There's a lot more online meetings today. Now people work from home. We're going to be having that conversation today. How has COVID-19 affected entrepreneurs and their businesses and their workers and employees today? Looking at the human resource factor. When I say the human resource factor, we're looking at staffing. We're looking at human resource policies. We're looking at the way we used to do things. We're looking at things like reporting hours, attendance. We're looking at do people work longer hours now than they, they used to have to work. We're looking at all sorts of things, leave management. We're looking at sanctions. We're looking at essentially the contribution of the human resource to the business today and its metamorphosis, if you like, whether or not that has started in in this period of COVID-19. So I know that we have a lot to share today. I know I'm, I'm going to be opening the phone lines at some point for my, my listeners to also get interactive. But maybe we'll start with Senor. Um, you shared some thoughts with us um, for a couple of about six minutes. And then Sam, you come in as well. And you also share some thoughts. And then we get interactive. And then we, we have a wonderful show. Yes? All right. So Senor, you take us away. What are some of the notable areas that have been affected 
and try and bring the conversation home to Ghana and to our to our situation here in, in Ghana. Because obviously there's things going on out there that are supported by technology, which is not available today. I'll give you an example. We're talking about um, children having school online. Now, how is that affecting the school as a business and its human resource? We're talking about school fees. It was in the news about three weeks ago. Parents say we won't pay 100% school fees. Some say we'll give you 50% discount. Children are having to go to school online. How many children have are in, come from homes where they have more than one computer, if there's more than one child, and they can be online and have lessons? All of these have affected all of our lives. So how is the human resource factor positioned in all of this conversation? Senor, take us away. Great. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I've just been thinking... Uh, this afternoon about you know the saying that says that um, the human resources are the company's um, most important asset right and um, gone are the days when this saying used to be challenged by a lot of people and it used to be paid only lip service but now you realize that when COVID hit the first um, area of the business it affected was the operations as to how do we continue to operate. The next one was how, what do we do with the people we have? And that shows how important human resources is in the management of COVID. And without people and the right way of going about it, it becomes difficult for a business to even survive. And even complicating it is all the issues of the legalities of how to handle the employment contract of a lot of employees. Well, the first area that comes to mind is the issue of work attendance. So how do we come to work and how do we work is, or how do employees come to work and how do they work is one of the fundamental questions that every business has had to ask, you know, during this uh, COVID period. And for me, I think that is impacted because generally, all of a sudden, people have, uh, organizations have had to ask their workers to work from home. And especially during um, the lockdown, and then some organizations also have had to just shut down um, all operations. But how about those who were asked to work from home? What the dynamics of their work? Were they required to work normal hours? Were they required to um, just take care of their specific um, job schedules? And, and that's it. And these are questions that organizations have had to ask and deal with within the context of, of COVID. So it is great and important for organizations to be able to determine, so now if someone is working from home or any other remote place, like a disaster, a disaster recovery center, how um, is the person's working hours calculated, for example? Is a person supposed to be paid the same amount for the, the number of hours they work? How about the allowances they used to take? The remuneration, um, will, is it going to be reduced? Or I've heard some organizations where, uh, about some organizations where employees have even asked 
for additional incentives for working from home and and other resources that are needed for working remotely like um, broadband internet services phones and so on and so forth so for me that has been one of the main impacts you know on um, businesses in terms of attendance of employees at work another one has been the issue of okay so if we are supposed to um, maybe close down or or stop operations or work remotely or do flexi work how how do we remunerate our workers so the actual issue of pay has become a problem where uh, financially organizations are impacted and so they have not had the general financial muscle to be able to meet their cost and under these circumstances some organizations have found a way to reduce employee salaries so remuneration has been impacted even today to the extent that some employees have been asked to i mean have been terminated so generally not only remuneration has been impacted but also jobs have been impacted so I'll, I'll 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 leave it here you know as an opening um statement and i think that maybe some can also shed light on some of them so that when we go into them in detail we can talk about the specifics of law and the uh, operations and, and hrm policy interventions that um organizations can can use brilliant brilliant if you just tuned in this is masterclass on your superstation joy 99.7 you just heard from senior ajabing a private hr practitioner and was sharing thoughts on how to stay afloat as a business in these times of COVID, the human resource factor senior there's something you mentioned in your closing statement just before sam comes in about looking at the position of policy to aid all of these changes. That is definitely something that is going to have to play catch-up. So at some point in the conversation, if we have a bit of time, we will look at that because it looks as if we're having to catch up in an ad hoc way because we're all very unprepared for this. Maybe not all of us. Some people knew, like the conspiracists say, but most of us didn't know. And so we woke up one morning and suddenly we had to do all of these changes. Clearly, policy does not currently support a lot of the changes that are being made. And so that will have to also line up at some point. On yeah. policy, let me just yeah. let me just say this: that organisations that had uh, crisis management policies in place, or disaster recovery policies in place, had the um, ability to be able to kind of take immediate actions. But the other side of it is post-COVID. Mm. as to how organizations will adjust. And that is why, in terms of policy, it is and should have been mandatory for every organization to to draft new poli- and apply new policies, uh, COVID-related policies, right. to take care of the unique situation. And so if organizations have not already drafted a COVID policy, it is important that they are, because that is what actually would drive the entire um, HRM intervention in terms of, you know, dealing with employees during the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I dare say that not just um, policy, but things like budget, things like strategy, 
all of that will have to change because Values, you, I mean, look, look, look at these things. You go to get approval for your budget, you know, let's say before end of year or before um, whenever, or at, let's say beginning of year. You start your, you know, your year. March, bam, you're hit with this thing. Suddenly everything goes haywire. Your investments that you decided to make in the year perhaps were in a certain direction. Suddenly people are having to work from home. Let's say you are an institution of programmers, okay, or you're an institution that has people sitting and working all the time, a call center. So they're using desktop computers, for example. Suddenly they're having to work from home. Access to your system, security, all of that comes into the conversation. It's a big conversation, but we can't have all of it today. Sam, as you come in with your thoughts, and after you share your thoughts, we're going to be going into, so what should an employer do with each of these cases? We'll try and prefer solutions if you like, because I mean, you guys are professionals in your field, and fields of endeavor, so that someone listening to us can say, listen, I have this situation, it's real, how do I go about it? But see if you can touch on things like recruitment, leave management, attendance, training, staff costs, stuff like that, because these are realities for every employer today. Talk to us, Sam. Well, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I will take it out from where my brother senor, uh, senor left off. Um, in terms of the impact of COVID um, on organizations, um, particularly, um, I say that no organization can say that they were ready for this. Even though you saw the signs from China, it, w- it was very remote. We didn't think that it was going to catch up within the time that it did. Um, yes, there was a lag time for us to prepare, but let's say that, like you said in, in your intro, that we've been forced to move maybe 100 years ahead. Now, for the HR professionals, the challenge has been how to steer the organization through this period because you are, the organization is being forced to review its operations force to review its methodologies, its strategies, and approaches in delivering the service or the product that is leading to, as well as coming up with intervention to safeguard the health safety of the staff and the clients who come into your premises. So during this period, most HR professionals have been working towards that field of helping both the organization and the staff stay course and uh, be able to achieve the, the we also have to have to deal with the psyche and morale of your staff that in the course of this and the fear the panic getting to know somebody close here is diagnosed with the with the condition uh, in the analysis that we did earlier on somebody said that well we started off with the um, social distancing we went on to physical distancing and then because when we went into the lockdown there was also the emotional distances because suddenly i'm not used to staying in the long period with my family in the same room not going anywhere yet expected to work and the challenges that came with it and then there is also the financial distancing people went into hard times because the organization slows down remuneration that senior talk about is constrained and that, yeah, there are demands on you at home. So people are staying at home, not working, wanting to come to work, organize, expecting to be paid. But organizations are also facing challenges on how they get their own operations going on. So in the midst of this, the HR side has been how to balance the skills, making sure that we can advise companies or our companies in making sure that they stay afloat but as well as manage the expectations, psyche, and safety of the staff to make sure that between us, we can get the company back on stream. A, a lot have gone into, you know, the, the conversation during this period, and it's been put before COVID, during COVID, we are not out yet. So d- during the lockdown, the interventions that were put in place were markedly different, 
on how to support people to work from home. And suddenly works that could not even be work from home, so we will have to find a way. I heard a joke, somebody saying that, well, in his company, even drivers say that they are working from home. (laughs) 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 Because suddenly, they can't come to the office, but they are supposed to work. You know, so it's a maze that we are trying to navigate. The challenge has been, how do we keep our companies afloat, alive? Because if the companies aren't there, we aren't there. And uh, Senor made a point. I've also heard instances where even some employees volunteer to say we are willing to take a cut, you know, just so that the company can stay and go through. So the impact has been both ways. The staff is suffering and the companies are suffering. And on the HR side, it's been how to try and get the balance between these two uh, 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 challenges that are going on. And I think so far... Um, it's a novel situation, then just like the virus itself. We are all learning to adapt to what comes up every day in, in order to meet these two expectations. Sam, let me, let's talk about the specific issue of training. So I'll come to you shortly. Because you find that we are having to innovate. And innovation is not necessarily technology. It's just a different way of doing things. How is an employer supposed to innovate where training is concerned, depending on the, on the service that they they provide. The thing is this, whether we like it or not, we are being pushed or we are being thrust into an era of, should I say, techie or IT or I don't know, whatever synonyms you want to call it. But we're being thrown into the computer age now. So, questions like, I'm a farmer, I plant yams, I weed with a hole, I make my mouth with a hole. Don't talk to me about computers. Yeah. We may not have the answers today, but at some point, we're going to have to learn how to make those mounts mm. with computers, yeah. whether the answer is here today or not. And that's where the innovation comes in. It started on the high end with a lot of corporates and all that. But let's explore some thoughts. Let's talk about training. Yeah. What's an employer supposed to do, or how is he supposed to innovate where training is concerned? And let's try and give examples across the spectrum so that we don't only stay in the corporate or in the SLE space, but let's also talk about the ordinary Joe who's selling stuff on the streets. How is he supposed to innovate? We're training, let's talk about training first, then we spread the argument or conversation to the rest of the business. Okay, yeah, the, the, the conversation about training is about one thing. What is a training meant to achieve? What is a specific objective for having that training? That will determine the mood that you can deliver the training. Um, currently, we are under kind of some kind of restrictions so you cannot organize the formal classroom based training okay but depending on the industry or the area of your operation there are certain aspects of training that you can carry out for example if the nature of your business is providing driving services or driving school the classroom based school is clearly prohibited you can't do that but on the job training in terms of taking people out there on the road and teaching them how to drive. So far as you are keeping the social distancing regulations, you can easily do that. Now, for most organizations, question that I ask is that for those who are in manufacturing, those who are in in production, hardcore production, is a bit constrained in terms of bringing in machinery, setting people on the job training and all that. But there are aspects of your operations that you can easily you know, uh, they deliver the training with the use of technology. I mean, you talk about Zoom, there are other portals that people are using. So I can sit here and attend, and it's been amazing the number of training programs that people have had to attend online, you know, during this period of COVID. I'm sure that people have had more webinars and Zoom meetings and Zoom everything now than they would have in a whole year. 
because webinars gives you a packed program over a shorter period as opposed to staying the whole day in a classroom just to acquire a fraction of what you would have had anyway so the innovation is about deciding what i have to do am i requiring my people to get new skills for me to survive or am i doing training for the nicety of providing my staff with training if the objective is to give them new skills I believe strongly that there are ways that we can organize that training to give the people that skill that they need to help their company survive the current times. It may be, it may be challenging, but there are, there are opportunities that we can get the training going. Right, okay. Now let's spread the conversation a bit more, Senor, to the rest of the business. So let's say my name is um, Yao, um, Yao Pia. I'm a spare parts dealer in Abosokai. I want to push my product out, but markets and stuff like that you know there's restriction on movement and all so a few people come and you know patronize my product i come from an era where people will come the mechanic is an intermediary he will lead the owner to come there physically look at the part examine it physically and say i like this one this one is compatible take it to the car fitting shop and work on it now because of all of this that process may have to change how else can i use innovation and my mind goes to going and um, shopping online people buy stuff online and somehow it works i mean there's a few scenarios where you buy it and the thing comes and it doesn't fit but i suppose the manufacturers are also changing so those 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 scenarios are minimized how can we bring that to ghana today i sit in abosoka i sell car tires can i work with an intermediary and i don't want to answer it but okay so you answer it for me how can i make it work looking at the staffing i have innovate that staffing give them more tools or whatever but to get my business done without losing out or going under yes i i think that when it comes to innovation it must be driven by something and that something is value that means that can we create more value using less resources and so the first thing that comes to mind from the example you gave is about using technology so for example if i have a phone and i can take pictures of the product in different angles and have enough um, discussions with the person on phone before it goes to, to the person so that the person doesn't have to come. That is one of the ways you cut um, the cost of transport, you cut the cost of the person you are sending, who you have to give something, and so on and so forth. So for me, I think that in the workplace, if we can look at how we can basically do the same things that we do using resources available, simple resources available at reduced cost, mm. then that um, drive alone, you know, that motivation would help us to end up adjusting. But on training, have you realized that all of a sudden, and I'm, I've not heard, maybe, I don't know if some can can attest to that, but I've not heard any organization giving crash courses or any form of courses, online courses to their employees, and all of a sudden employees are supposed to just up and start using uh, Zoom and other online platforms and other resources that they are supposed to work with. Now, training is very important, and about innovating training, basically an employer would have to look at how they can transfer knowledge at reduced cost mm. and within the constraints of COVID where there's less limitation. So these are, the, we, we, we can talk about practical issues, but these are the broad things that would guide 
you know, innovation. And all organizations are different. So each organization will have to customize um, solutions for themselves and not necessarily um, blind copy. Okay. Sam, I want to take this one for me very quickly. Then we will open the phone lines. I want us to get interactive pretty early today so that our listeners can be a part of it. You find that in all of this, um, in this situation, in, in, in this situation of COVID, it's a crisis for everyone. And so you've got staff who um, also in their private lives are individuals of, and, and they pursue different fields of endeavor. It's affected all of us one way or the other. So, Sam, you were talking about the psyche of the employee. Mm. You find that people come to work in the same breath where we say the business isn't having, um, should I say, good income streams. And so overheads will have to be reviewed or looked at. You find in the same breath a request for some kind of support as a crisis benefit, if I can call it that. Um, you can extend that conversation to um, support for resources like data. Suddenly, I'm supposed to be on every Zoom call. Jack. You give me 10 CD credit a month as a staff. Suddenly, I'm supposed to bundle out of that 10 CD and be on 15 calls or 15 meetings or 25 meetings. Who tells you that my phone is even a smartphone that can have video calls? Maybe my camera is not working. Support for staff vis-a-vis the reality of the business, not having enough inflows, even to keep the staff traditionally, not to talk of keeping them now electronically. Let's share some thoughts on that conversation very briefly, and then we we, we go to the phone lines. Okay, yeah. Um, the, the the conversation has been, I mean, fantastic point as to how do you assess your employees to work remotely? Because um, where now work is not defined as the place that you sit and work. The work is defined as what you do. Okay, so if you're requiring me to work remotely. The same as you are required to provide the resources available to me to do, make an effort to make it possible for me to do my work irrespective of where I am. That is, if you require me to stay away. So that talent is there uh, in terms of the overhead cost on the organization. But something also has to give. I mean, if, if I was to attend a formal classroom training, the cost of that training, invariably, is more expensive than it if it is de- uh, delivered online for me. So, yes, in as much as the resources are coming on one side, the organization cuts down on overhead also on other aspects. And in most of the conversations that you hear, the first thing that companies did in terms of responding to the COVID was to hold certain operations or cut things that were not so urgent at a point as a way of minimizing that overhead. I, I think that the investment in ensuring that people can work remotely is something that is not being shouldn't be looked at within the context of what we are currently going through because this new normal as defined isn't going to go away in the short term i mean this morning i was listening to your conversation that says that it takes from now minimally companies are looking at 2022 as the point where things begin to seem normal so whatever investment that is being made today it's something that is going to linger off a while and so shouldn't be seen in terms of uh, an immediate cost, but rather an investment that will sustain the, 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 the viability of the business. Now, the other bit that I want to talk about or add on to is the fact that companies responded and decided which 
of our operations can I do without? Which business side can I outsource, for example, and as a way of minimizing the overhead cost? I heard a story of a bank in Nigeria, I don't know how credible it is, making a case that they have made a decision to let go 25% of their workforce because in their assessment, they come to the turn that that job can easily be done by people who don't necessarily even have to come to the work setting. And so it provides an opportunity to review your overhead costs in terms of staff as well as redesign the work to make sure that people can do their job. Now, the resources comes with its own challenges. If you are delivering products, you have a delivering training, if you are working from outside, there are cyber security implications. It requires a specific investment to ensure that where people work are free from these cyber uh, security issues and can provide you with the kind of security that you need to get your job to going. Okay. Um, Senior, just share some thoughts briefly and then we go to the phone lines. Yes. So, basically, um, support for workers is also about cost analysis. And this brings us to um, an important area of workforce management. And we find it in uh, the Labor Law Section 98G, the essential services within the establishment. So the first thing an organization can do about supporting staff and, 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 and still working within the constraint of finances is to look at the um, minimum maintenance services within the organization for which, you know, they would apply those workers, those essential workers first and then start looking at who else can support at minimum cost to get production going. And for me, I think that in terms of the whole cost, you know, um, discussion about workplace and, and running the business, I think that COVID has provided a lot of um, opportunity for organizations that really want to do something about it and sustain their business to actually cut down costs so much so that they will realize that past COVID was worse than post-COVID is going to be. Wow, some wonderful thoughts. If you've just tuned in, this is Masterclass on your Superstation. We'll be going to the phone line shortly, but before that, we have some great news for you. So do you have any motor vehicle of any kind? Because if you do, Girls New Super Synthetic 5W20 and 5W30 Leaves are the best engine oils for your vehicle. They are specially engineered engine oils which efficiently work on all your modern petrol and diesel engines. They clean, they protect they reduce fuel consumption and they prolong oil change intervals as well as enhance your engine performance right from when you start up to when you switch off. So go to any Goyle filling station today and grab the new Goyle Super Synthetic 5W20 and 5W30 engine oils for superior vehicle performance. Goyle, we say good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. We go straight to the phone lines. Numbers to call 0302216541. That's 0302216541. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. As an employer, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, how are you handling your human resource in this COVID period? What questions are on your mind? What do you think you want to do to help your business? What have you already done? What have you heard that others have done? Pick up that phone. Give us a call. Let's share some thoughts and make Ghana better for it. 0302216541. Or you can send us a comment on 0244-340-437. If you are driving, please do not text while you drive. We want you to arrive alive. So do pack off 
and send us a comment on 0244-340-437. Otherwise, give us a call on 0302-216-541. So, I wanted to ask a question. Sam, let's talk about working hours. No, Senor, let's start with you. Working hours. Sam, you talked about working hours and the fact that now the work is what you do. is not where you are. So, back in the day, and I don't know, Senor, please correct me, since you, you quoted from the, from the labor law, there's this conversation that says that a person cannot have a number of jobs full-time for the, because of the issue of tax and all of that. Perhaps you'll demystify that first. Now, I'm working from home. <laughs> My name is Yawapia. I'm working from home. I can be in four meetings at the same time and just listen for when they say, yes, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, are you there? Yes, yes. Then I'll come and speak. Meanwhile, I'm on another call. So I can be doing five jobs now. This question is for the tax system, but from the HR perspective, I mean, I know you can share some thoughts. How long before the tax system catches up? I know IRS is doing it in the US, <laughs> but working hours, tax, people having multiple jobs, how is that conversation going to go now? That's a very interesting one. <laughs> um, you know, our permanent work or permanent contracting of work okay, comes under what we call contract of service. Mm-hmm. Okay, So in contract of service, the employer pays for your time. Okay, So pays for the time. So once the employer is paying for the time, the employer owns you from 8 to 5. You can't sell yeah. that time again. You can't. So it is for the employer. That is full-time employment. And that is why it is difficult to say that um, a person is working full-time for multiple employers because the structuring of the contract relationship, the employment contract relationship, is such that you can work and are supposed to devote your time to that employer specifically. Mm. Unless, of course, you get leave of that employer to do a few Mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. But how will uh, hours of work work uh, within COVID? The issue is that it is going to be difficult to now monitor people regarding the number of things they do. Because assuming somebody is working remotely, their deliverables does not become time. It, be, it, it becomes task-specific. So if it is task-specific and he's able to meet all his deadlines by 11 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. because he started working, say, around 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. when he woke up, then the rest of the time is his own to use and manage and may be able to use it for other um, endeavors that the employer may not be able to know. Um, If we have a good tax system, definitely if you do other jobs and you invoice, that action alone can trigger, you know, a tax uh, activity such that then you can be taxed, at least maybe withholding tax. But as to whether how the income tax um, income tax processes can catch up with multitasking in terms of multi-working or working for multiple um, employers. I think that we'll leave that to the tax experts to, <laughs> to find <laughs> solutions to. But I, I just think that it's a loophole. Yeah. And f- once we are HR people and we want to maximize re- resources, we say that it is um, an opportunity for employees to um, exploit, okay, or take advantage of, such that they can make you know more use of time 
and earn more money. It's up to the system to put processes in place to have other issues like tax and, and, and the rest of them taken care of. And from yeah. the, the, the employer's point of view, I mean, the employer can also say that, well, conscious of the fact that these practices may be happening, I can decide to go into an arrangement with you, in which case I am moving from contract of uh, service to contract for, for service. service. Yes. In which case, I'm going to pay you based on the specific deliverables. So get me 40 bottles of uh, this product a day. Irrespective of what time it takes for you to deliver, that tax for the day is done. What you do else isn't my problem. Done to say I am owning you from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And still expect that even if your task is done, you still remain, you know, under my control, control. so to speak. So yeah. the, the benefit to the employer will be, well... In terms of that, then I'm negotiating on the specific deliverable. So, 40 bottles a day, I pay you 20 CDs. I pay you 20 CDs for the whole day. As opposed to pay you 30 CDs for the whole day when really I will not get any mileage between the, uh, beyond the, the 40 bottles. So, what it means is that per COVID, the COVID pandemic and its impact, mm. we may be moving from Precisely. full-time employment, employment to, to contract or part-time employment. And for me, I see that long-term, I say long-term because it'll take us some time to get there. I see that this is where the conversation is going to go. And at some point, you know, hiring people will be based on a certain skill set and ability to deliver a certain required task. Now, let's talk about versatility in recruitment. Because if I'm doing an assignment in the comfort of my space, which I have set up, when I'm negotiating, I'm going to build that space to you. I'm going to build everything to you, including the speed. When you hire me or interview me, you hire me based on my specific skill and ability to deliver something. Let's say a finance person. Now, you give me spreadsheets to work on. It's like an open book test for me. I can have somebody in my basement who is a finance person from some part of the world who is very good. And I am fronting as a finance person. My credentials and everything show. But you give the job to me, it gets done. It doesn't matter whether I'm the one who did it or not. How is that going to play in the space of recruitment? You see, you see where this conversation is going. Numbers to call zero three zero two two one six five four one. Pick up that phone, give us a call. I can slip through one or two calls before the end of the show. Zero three zero two two one six five four one. Recruitment is going to change. How is it going to change? Based on the example I've just given. You, you, you are very right, but <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, right, and maybe fortunately for the employer. Yeah. And unfortunately for a person like you who wants to front, mm. contemporary human resources doesn't work like that. Mm. There is supposed to be um, a system that justifies your abilities. My competencies. Your competencies, yes. your capacity to do the job. Yeah. And that is what talent acquisition is about. That we would innovate and use processes, mm -hmm. and these are very available, that we will use to test your competency first. Mm -hmm. Before we start sending you those spreadsheets. So let's say I'm good at what I do. I can actually do the spreadsheets. I'm just a lazy bug. So when it comes to speed, that's where you're going to have the problem. At the interview, I will, I will ace it. But when I go home, I'm working for five different corporates. So I will hire five different people from five different countries who are less privileged than myself and be their agent and pay them one, one quarter no, but of... What you are discussing right mm. now is what's already happening pre-COVID. Um, COVID. So it's going to be more pronounced now? Yes, but okay. 
But the point the point is that a time will come that will a very respond. good system will can respond. expose you. Will expose. Yes. Yes. Some of these because yes. when, for example, we 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 are in crisis like COVID, and you are put on a team, okay, then you cannot now be doing your remote sourcing easily because mm-hmm. you are going to be engaged fully and and your 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 capacity is going to be challenged and the system will expose you so i don't think it's something that professionals and employees should be looking at doing they should actually work hard and do their best and end their salary instead of cutting corners because a very good contemporary human resource system and structure will expose you let's talk about and while you talk about that let's try and round up the conversation what are the labor um concerns that are going on now regarding the fact that businesses are unable to keep the certain um, staffing levels now. Overheads are, are, you know, they're teetering around the bend. What's the conversation that's going on now and what are some of the reliefs available both for an entrepreneur or a business owner and the staff? I think the first one is... I mean, I think there's some law that says you cannot make me worse off. So for those who are taking haircuts on salary and all that, it's based on a certain logical reasoning. But what's the position of the law, very briefly, just in about 30 seconds? For, so Sam, um, I'll start with you. Okay. Okay, um, in the conversations that that have gone on, I think we made mention of it earlier on. Yeah. Um, for you talk about people taking haircuts, and the law has made it that if you want to lay somebody off, there are procedures to go. Now, this COVID has raised issues as to whether the principles of force majeure or others that you call leave of absence with pay can be applied within this context and in the conversations that have gone on i think that you find a buy-in from both sides in that that if people have to be laid off under this circumstance because principles of frustration that the nature of the impact of this COVID has frustrated my business and so i can't keep you is that not a topic for discussion or argument or debate well these are matters of law and mm. and and we talk about earlier that COVID now is requiring a review of certain policies. You understand? The, the I, I definitely have to bring you gentlemen back. So let's take your reaction very quickly. I'm out of time. 20 seconds and then we round up. Yeah, so I think that the two issues I'm looking at yeah. are pay and um, the issue of terminations. Mm-hmm. But straightforward, we need to know that the, pan- the impact of COVID-19 is not a redundancy issue. Mm-hmm. So that is out. So if terminations are to happen, the contract of employment is still at play. So if salaries will be reduced, it has to be done by renegotiation. And if terminations will be done, it has to still be done in accordance with the terms of the contract of employment. Thank you so much. This has been Masterclass on the Superstation discussing the human resource factor and businesses as they can stay afloat in this COVID period. We can't come your way same time next week with this conversation. Thank you for listening. Up next is the news at 2. My name is Yabana. We'll see you same time next week.